0: I want to welcome um, Mike Dickerman. If Mike will come up, Mike and Laura Dickerman and their kids have been such a real um, blessing and addition to Queen City Church. And Mike shared a testimony with me uh, recently, and I wanted him to share with all of us just to show what the Lord really does want to do for everybody in here. So this is Mike Dickerman. Mike. Good morning.
1: I know, there's only three people. All right. It never gets any easier to come up here and look at everyone and talk. I just have to remind myself that you're my people, and I should be cool with this. So, All right, well, so I was talking to Robin a couple weeks ago and telling him about this story I had, and he said I should come and share it with you, so here I am. So I, I have uh, been in business for myself for about 15 years, and we do um, marketing, essentially. So we do web development and video and things like that. And in the nature of my business, it's either sink or swim. You have budget years. The budget starts in the beginning of the year, and you're busy, 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 and then in the fall, it just tanks out. And so it's always up and down, and you get used to that over time. So you, you modify your life to adapt to that, and it's cool. And my family's used to it, and I'm used to it. And I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And um, I had an employee ask me once, how do you get new business? Said, we always have stuff to do. And I thought about it for a second, and I thought, I have no idea. <laughs> I said, I'm pretty sure God just brings it to us <laughs> because it's not by our, my own effort, you know. And so I've uh, I've always... I've always prided myself in saying, you know, God's, God's always got it. He's always going to take care of it. You know, we all have heard the verse, you know, if he's, t- if he's taking care of the birds, how much more important are we, you know? And so I've always sort of lived my life and business like that. But at uh, the tail end of 2015, business just sort of tanked out and has sort of stayed low all year long. And so I thought, hey, this is one of those years where, or, or at least... Orders or time periods where things get slow and that's okay. So um, things continued to get slower and slower and slower. And I, I kept thinking to myself, "All right, hey, I know you're in charge, but any time now would be <clears throat> be good time, good time for something." New. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it really, and it really got um, got to where I was, and I think God pushes us to this point sometimes where. He's testing to see what we really think and um, it got it got there for me and and I got a call from an ad agency that I do a lot of work with and they say hey we got a great new project you're gonna love it pretty good one they want everything I said great so we scheduled an appointment a phone call got on the phone with them and they're like okay Planned Parenthood is going to do a $10 million capital campaign in Charlotte to build a new women's health facility. And I was like, I was like, abortions? Women's health facility? And they're like, well, probably. And, I, and my heart just sank because I knew that I was now in a situation where I had to choose between what I really believed and money (laughs) and so um i went through in my mind all of these scenarios maybe i can outsource it i won't put on my portfolio no one has to know about it and like you know in your mind these things are moving fast you know there's all these rabbit trails of outcomes and possibilities and every one of them in my mind kept coming to no 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 and i said look i appreciate you guys thinking about us on this one but i'm gonna i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to pass and she said and I don't know what this means to this very day, but I found it like almost offensive. She said, well, you have four daughters. I thought you'd be more open-minded. And I thought, I, thought I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that, you know. But then it was, it was sure. I was sure of it. I said, yep, I appreciate that. And she said, well, do you know anyone else? And I was like, not really. So I got off the phone and I thought to myself, I said, God, I don't, I don't know what that was all about, but not funny. Laughter. <laughs> um, I I literally wrestled all day long with it and I thought, "Man, that was just why why would you why would I be put in that position? Why why should you bring me to this point?" And I was irritated and I texted my wife and I said I just said no to <laughs> was I wrong to say no to a big project with Planned Parenthood? And she just replied with one word back, absolutely. And that was it. And I was like, okay, good, that's what I thought. (laughs) So, I went home, we gathered up the kids, we went to the neighborhood pool, we hung out, and, um, just, I needed to defuse for the rest of the day because I was a little worked up about all that. And, um, we got out of the pool about 8 o'clock, and I walked up to my phone, and I looked at it and I saw that I had an email from a company that stopped talking to me about a year ago we had pitched this big project to them and their response back then was thanks for the proposal we'll let you know we're weighing our options It was a one liner and when you get a one liner after a pitch it generally means nice talking to you and I literally we had lost touch of these guys a long long time ago And it said, just wanted to let you know, you guys have been awarded the the contract for this project. And this is a project that was easily, is easily, four times bigger than the Planned Parenthood thing that we had just walked away from. And and it's a relationship that will continue to grow. And and I just, I walked away from that and I thought, that's... um, I think every now and then, I think for me, the lesson there was every now and then I think God needs to remind us who's really in charge. And that was my wake-up call reminder, so hold the line. Amen.
0: Thank you, Mike. Wasn't that awesome? I'm believing, uh, I'm believing this summer is a summer breakthrough for people. And that was really a major, major breakthrough for Mike and Laura and their family. So I want to pray right now. Raise your hand if you need a breakthrough, if you need a real breakthrough. Yes. Why don't you stand up if you need a breakthrough. Let's just pray because God is the God of breakthroughs and he loves us more than we love ourselves. And so, Father, we ask you, first of all, give us the breakthroughs that we need in these different areas. And I know, Lord, you can. Look on every heart. You can see everyone's need and your very clear and defined desire for them. And so, Father, I just take authority now and proclaim in every life this morning breakthrough. Let's just, let's just begin to say, I receive breakthrough today. I receive breakthrough today. What God did for Mike, he can do for me. Let's say that, come on. What God did for Mike, he can do for me. He can do for me and my family. The blessing of the Lord, the Proverbs, makes rich and adds no sorrow to it. You know, that's just what the Word says. We don't have to balance everything all the time. But it says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. So... I pray against sorrow this morning and disappointment and brokenheartedness and failed dreams. Lord, um, kick into gear that thing in us that overcomes disappointment and failure and uh, that false notion that our day's over and there's not a good new one coming. All those things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you turn on the overhead? I want us to read again the story of Zacchaeus. And um, actually, Henry Squires has uh, committed me to only speak in 20 minutes this morning. So that's the word on the street. And that's the wrong overhead. But that's a great verse anyway. We should read that. Go up to the top there where it says uh, Zacchaeus copy or something or... If not, go to that, and I'll just preach there. I don't care. I'm just feeling that way today. I just need a place to launch. There we go. Okay. Let's read this out loud. That means noise is coming out of your mouth. Don't think it. Say it. It's important. Right? Right? Somebody help me here. I'm. I'm okay. All right. All right. Then Jesus and passed through Jericho. Now behold... There was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. So we made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, okay, all right. Who's flying the ointment? They. You got to watch those people. Don't be one of them. But when they saw it, they all complained saying, He's gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, today's salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Man, what a story. I really like that. Part of what I want us to see is how Jesus treats people. And then I want us to see sort of the dynamic that goes on between us and the Lord so that um, we make progress, life changes. And so I was looking um, over this past week or so, verse 3 and 4. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Let's read that first part together. Is that back up there in verse verse 3? And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. For he was short of stature. So, you know, the Bible has primary meaning. That's the very clear and obvious meaning when you read it. And the very clear and obvious meaning here just tells the story about Zacchaeus and what he had to do to see who Jesus was. And then the rest of the story tells us about that episode. And that's primary meanings, pretty easy to see. But I know also in the scripture there are secondary meanings or there are applications that you can make that also have um, insights or can show you things that I think can really help. And I wanted to look at some of those. And so there were three different phrases, and I'll probably get to maybe a little bit more than this, But there were three different phrases that really caught my attention. The first one was, he sought to see who Jesus was. The second phrase was, he could not because of the crowd. And the third one was, he climbed up to see him, but he had to come down to make that connection. And so when I was looking at that, Thinking about this, he sought to see who Jesus was. There is no more important purpose for anyone in the world than finding out who Jesus is. There's just nothing else any more important than that ever at any time so you, you see in, in Zacchaeus, we've covered this a couple of, in the, over the last couple of weeks, his name, um, part of his, one of the definitions for Zacchaeus' name was pure or innocent, and he was neither one. But there was something in him, and I really believe there's something in everyone. There's something, there was something in Zacchaeus that really wanted to know, who Jesus was. And when you are familiar with other parts of the New Testament. Zacchaeus being a tax collector. You find out that Jesus was called the friend of sinners. And to. to um, the, the Jews had a very clear picture of who sinners were. It was whoever else was around. That was not a Pharisee or a Sadducee. That didn't practice their own brand of understanding and obeying. Obeying the law. Um. But Zacchaeus had some kind of a hunger, and and everyone has hunger. The the issue is what you do with it. I think um, particularly after the fall, I don't understand everything about all of this, but particularly after the fall, I think there's a drive in everybody that can't be satisfied any other way than having an encounter and ongoing relationship with the Lord. So Zacchaeus had... That drive, so much so that he climbed up that tree, you know, that was probably very humiliating because he had to admit he was too short to see. Um, he really had to humble himself to do something like that. That was very, you know, very awkward for a prominent citizen to go climbing up in a tree to see a man walking down the street. I mean, if you can put that in any other context, it's, if you can put it in the context of our lives, it's a pretty, pretty awkward thing to see the president of First National Bank climb up in a tree to see who's walking down down the street, and so um, he had that hunger. You really need to be be aware of where your hunger takes you, because you will get where you're going. Andy and I were talking about some people we've known over the years who, um, you know, they uh, they took drugs. And there, what, what people don't understand is when you dabble in the, the dark realm, the dark realm dabbles back. And, and we've known people that have committed suicide. We know people that have died from drug overdoses because of where their hungers took them. So you need to understand there's really only one person. There's only one it that will save or, or meet that need, and it really is the person of Jesus. It's not church. It's really not even relationships with other people. It's the person of Jesus. And within the context of the person of Jesus, relationships are very, very important. But, you know, fellowship at Starbucks over a cup of coffee is not the same thing as being vitally connected to the Lord and other people. It's just not. It's a great idea. It just doesn't work. You'll just get all hyped up from too much nicotine. Nicotine, caffeine, benzene, what is it? Whatever's in that stuff. I don't drink coffee. I'm not, I'm not, I just don't drink coffee. I just don't like it. I'm not, you know, oh, come on, whatever. All right. He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd. You can never let the crowd get between you and Jesus. What was between Zacchaeus and Jesus? The crowd. They. They were. Oh. That them crowd. The crowd will obscure you from the real Jesus. You don't get your understanding of who Jesus is from the crowd. Man, not Facebook. Facebook. Anybody reads Facebook on a regular basis needs deliverance. <laughs> you know, I have some. I have some real uh, friends who they have gotten so negative and hostile. It's like the, Really, it's like a spirit's gotten a hold of it. They spend all their time beating up political people on Facebook. What a waste of time! What a waste of time! What a waste a friend of mine used to say, and it's so true. And this is all about your perspective on life. Do you just do you just see problems, or are you part of the solution? And he said, um, any jackass can kick down a barn. Being negative, critical, and identifying what's wrong with things is not prophetic. It's not spiritual. Being spiritual is being part of the solution, not being able to clearly articulate the problem. Because the assumption is if you can articulate the problem, you can solve it. And that is not true. It ain't necessarily so. Don't shout me down, cause I'm preaching good. Now, how many have really let the crowd separate them from Jesus? And it happens in a lot of different ways. It happens when someone in the crowd disappoints you. And it colors your relationship with Jesus. But you have got to make a clear distinction between Christians and Jesus. And you certainly have to. And and when I say Christians and Jesus, I'm talking about godly people and Jesus. And you certainly have to make a clear distinction between religious people and Jesus. And you certainly have to make a difference between anybody else who wants to tell you who Jesus is and Jesus. And you have to not allow whoever lives or dies or says this or doesn't say that or treats you this way or treats you that way or helps you or doesn't help you or likes you or doesn't like you and Jesus. And the only way to do that is to climb your own personal sycamore tree. You've got to get in a high place to see who he is. That's really good, right? You can't let personal conflict get between you and Jesus. You can't let people's opinions of you get between you and Jesus. There's nothing more important than you and Jesus. Nothing. Nothing. No one, no job, no income. Mike Dickerman had to make a decision. When it all came down to it, his decision was anything going to get between me and Jesus. And he decided no. And so Jesus gave him what he needed. The Bible is clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You seek the right thing, you get the rest. You seek the rest, you won't get the rest in a way that's peaceful or the right thing. Man, that's rich. That's just, that's just the Bible. But Zacchaeus climbed up because he compensated for his weakness. Everybody has weakness. What you do with your weakness depends on how well you do in life. Everybody has them. Your weakness can drive you to God. Your weakness can drive you away from God. It's it's neutral. It's up to you. Some people have a terrible time in life, they see it as an opportunity to connect with the Lord, an amazing thing happens. Other people have a terrible time in life, they blame God for it. And terrible things continue to happen, plus their lives tank. It's up to you. You set the tone. Not what happens to you, not who you know, you. Your choice, your decision, your viewpoint. Are you a victim or are you a victor is purely a viewpoint, not what happens. Nobody's going to feel as sorry for you as you do. Quit waiting on that. Quit quit wanting people to empathize with your misery. Why do they want to be miserable with your misery when they got their own? Figure out a way to not just to help these help these people love looks like something He could not see jesus because of the crowd How many been put off from god because of what other followers of jesus have done to them anybody in here ever been offended in church Anybody ever been offensive in church? I got my don't even put my hand down Yeah, I know you have. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Oh, man. You got to decide if you are a chicken or an eagle. You may have heard the story of uh, this rancher found a little baby eaglet whose mother died, so he put him in a chicken coop. Just a little didn't look much different than a chicken. He was in there scratching around with the rest of those chickens. He started growing up, and he he for some reason was not satisfied digging in the dirt for worms. So he was saying to the other chickens, hey, is this is this it? They say, Oh no, no, man, you get to lay eggs down the road somewhere. And and then what? Well, not well, you get worms. You get to live in that nice house with the chicken wire on it. Free food. But the older he got, there was something in him that's thinking, I'm, I'm not feeling this. He had other urges. Truth be known, he'd probably rather eat those chickens than hang out with them. And wind began to blow one day, and it caught one of his wings, and he hopped up on the barnyard corral there, and those chickens said, Oh, you, you can't be getting up there. You can't be doing that. Who do you think you are? You ever heard the who do you think you are voices? Who do you think you are? Well, I don't think I'm anybody. I know who I am. If I was still thinking, I'd be worried about what you thought. I ain't even thinking about it anymore. Settled. Yeah. A little hostility there. <laughs> but see, an eagle looks from a completely different perspective than a chicken does. So you've got to climb that sycamore tree. You've got to get in a high place. You, if you look at life the way most people look at life, you're going to be like most people. You're going to act like them. You're going to ache like them. You're going to complain about them. You're going to live like them. And anybody else who's making it, you're going to probably talk ugly about them. You're going to become a they. you got to get into a high place to see who Jesus really is. you got to do something somebody else won't do in order to do well. Do you understand that? If you just do what everybody else does, you're going to get what, oh, man, I'm messing something When I sold restaurant equipment years ago, I made twice as much money as everybody else made doing what I was doing. you know why? I did more than they did. And I had more kids than they had. And I felt obligated to pay my bills for some strange reason. And I looked at business differently than those other salesmen looked at business. I never left the building without saying, Jesus, lead me to those people that want to buy something, not to those other people, please. I was literally driving down the road in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and found my car turn itself into a fish market. And I thought, what am I doing in here? The Lord said, go ask them if they need an ice machine. So I walk in the door, I was selling commercial equipment, I said, do you need an ice machine? The guy said, man, that was quick. We just called 20 minutes ago. I thought, well, it doesn't take us long. (laughs) And I sold him an ice machine and I made $400. Because I saw my job differently than other people saw that job. I operated on a higher plane because there is one. I've had people say to me, I oh, was playing baseball. We had to, I helped coach this little league team one time, and the score was like we were getting beaten nine to nothing or some terrible thing like that. And I was the assistant coach. I said to the head coach, I said, hey, let's pray that uh, we'll uh, make up these runs. He said, oh, you can't do that. And I said, why not? He said, well, they, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's, they're not praying for their team. And I said, well, what's that got to do with me? I said, Lord, give us nine runs. I didn't think ten. I said nine. And we got nine runs, and the game ended, and we tied. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Most people focus on what's wrong instead of what's right. That's low thinking. That's stinking thinking. That's, say that with me, low thinking. Low thinking. Stinking Please participate. Stinking thinking. Most people focus on the problems, not the solutions. Man, that's, that's low. That's low thinking. That's stinking. That smells bad. Most people find fault with other people instead of honoring all men. That's slow thinking. You've been seated in the heavenly places. I wrote this this morning. To see things from God's perspective. Don't let the media, the news, the carnal mind, negative viewpoints, sourpuss friends, relatives, commentators, prognosticators, determine your viewpoint. You have authority over how you see life, nobody else. I said last week about theologians, any theologian that's mean has got to be wrong. Do you understand there's a relationship between your disposition and your thought process and your viewpoint? And if you are not a happy person, you need to bag whatever that stuff is and go get what I've got. Because when you know the Lord right, you're happy. Come on, that's got to be the way this works. Oh, God never said he wanted us to be happy. That's crazy. For the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink, but trials and misery and successes maybe. No, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on. Verse 5 and 6. I've got minus one minute. That means I'm over. Okay, when Jesus came to that place, this is verse 5, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, do what? Hurry up, boy. Come down. For today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received Jesus joyfully. Jesus will invite himself into your life if you'll let him. He will. He doesn't, he doesn't need much. He's the door. He doesn't need much of a door. He'll provide the door for your life too. That's really good, Robin. Thank you.
1: Make haste.
0: Jesus said, make haste. Man, you need to strike while the iron's hot. You need to make a decision when you have the chance. The Greeks had two words for time, kairos and chronos. Chronos is chronological time. Successive time. Kairos signifies a period or a season or a moment of indeterminate time in which an event of significance happens. The Greeks call that supreme time. It's opportune time. Zacchaeus had that moment to make that choice to see his life turn in ways it may have never ever had another opportunity to turn. See, God is under no obligation to meet us day in, day out at our leisure. He does. He's so gracious in so many ways. But there's a point in place in time where you make a choice, you make a decision, and Jesus says you better make haste. There's a time you better hurry up and make that choice. You better make that decision. Make haste, he said. And come down. It takes humility to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus. I can remember years ago, a guy I worked for, we were in this um, meeting about some big important thing, and a friend of mine was very sharp, and very astute. His opinions almost always carrying weight. So he said, he said to my boss, um, would you like for me to share with you what I see about that? And my boss said, no. See, our boss doesn't have to listen to us about anything. You realize that? Our boss doesn't have to listen to us about anything. Jesus really doesn't. He does because he's so good and he's so kind. But see, so many believers take Jesus on their own terms. That is not the way this works. He is Lord. And I'll tell you this, there are going to be times in your life, there have been times in my life where I wish I'd have done what he told me to do the first time. There really is that aspect of the fear of the Lord. There's the mercy of the Lord, but then it's it's this, you have to understand, there are times to make choices. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully. Let me close here, this whole thing about... What it is to receive Jesus. It's it's not the prototypical Billy Graham crusade where the pressure's on and the music's playing and you walk down front. Most of the people that go to Billy Graham crusades and walk down front have already done that four times. You have received Jesus when you stand and say like Zacchaeus, I'm going to right these wrongs. I'm going to pay back my debts for people I've mistreated. That's a picture of a person that received Jesus. Not somebody that walked down an aisle and signed a card and kept living their same, their same life. Come on. Don't cheapen what it is to know Jesus. One of my favorite verses out of the Gospel of John about Jesus was he was in the world. John 1.10 and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, say that with me, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Would you make a choice today to receive Jesus? You have an opportunity. This is this is a Cairo's time. What would keep you? What would keep you? What of value would keep you from receiving Jesus, taking hold of Jesus? That's what that word really means. To as many as believed on his name. He gave you a right to change. That's what that that says. To many as received him. To them gave he the right, the authority to become children of God. To have a life change. What's it based on? Did you know Jesus has um, a rejection complex? He doesn't say to as many as will give their bodies to be burned, he gave the right to become doesn't mean to as many as were willing to give away all their possessions he gave them a right to become. It's all about, it really is, it all comes down to you and Jesus. You and Jesus. And he, I say this over, he has gotten such bad press. He's the most wonderful person there ever was. He really is. He's genuine. He's real. He's kind. The fruit of the spirit is a description of the personality of the son of god love joy peace patience kindness goodness all the rest of them all nine all summed up in one human being who happens to be god who happens to be a man and his name is Jesus How many of you want want that Jesus I want that Jesus I want that Jesus I do I really do I do Okay, eight minutes over, I'm sorry. We do have ministry teams today. Those of you who would like prayer of any way, shape, or form, if you'll come down front and sort of present yourself over in this corner, we have um, teams that have uh, been trained and have a heart to pray and, and help you. So if you have an illness or sickness or just need prayer, they can minister to you prophetically. Uh, please do come down and pray that we get in the building. I hope we're three weeks away. It's up to you. you got to pray hard. Okay? Have a great week. So glad you came. Meet somebody. Take somebody to lunch. That's a great thing, except for me. Take somebody to lunch. I have plans.